The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. It's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're loaded up in room for you as well. We'll spend time with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Get his pulse on the rest of the Big Ten, the Nebraska football team, as they head to Rutgers on Friday. Reminder, come see at the Hale Varsity Club Friday night, 4-6, to six, right in front of kickoff. In La Vista, we'll be on there for a road show and then a post game. Hang out, watch the ball game, see if Nebraska can say two in a row. So Mitch Sherman in hour one, in hour two, longtime assistant coach at, uh, well, we'll say Iowa State and uh, Washington State. The gentleman Jim Walden get his perspective. Longtime coach for Bob Devaney, get his take on things in hour two, and then Travis Vokalek, our sit down with Nebraska's senior tight end. Yesterday, uh, we will hear from Travis Vokalek before we say goodbye. Numbers to get in can join us today on Hale Varsity Radio four six six three seven seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five can tweet at us on the show at hail varsity radio that's at h varsity radio can find and follow us on twitter chris schmidt at schmidt underscore radio elijah herbal at herbal essence and always watch us here in the stream on espn lincoln's twitter handle on espn lincoln's facebook and uh, can also watch the show on the hail varsity radio twitter handle at h varsity radio well it's a short week We'll hear from Whipple and Bush here in a little bit. Nick Saban has got his sleeves rolled up for uh, Aggieland and then uh, Tennessee. He's in midseason. I hate the media form, so St. Nick will explode. But I thought Whipple was pretty interesting. You know what? You don't go to your coordinator post-media sessions all the time wanting to uh, to be the talk of it. You want to be informative, let folks know what's going on. And uh, and away you go. But this this whole new look Nebraska has been uh, very I don't want to say edgy, but 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 rough and tough. Well, my, my takeaway from Whipple today, and I think what made it so entertaining was he cut out all the BS. It was it was straight to the point, no coach speak. It really felt like you were getting his unfiltered view of things today, uh, where I mean he talked about the fact that. He doesn't think this team necessarily thinks that they can compete for a Big Ten West. He talked about how, how that's part of, of changing the mentality. I don't think that's something you would have heard out of him a couple weeks ago. Is it, it just felt like he cut out any BS, got straight to the point, no coach speak. It was just, this is what's on my mind. I'm going to answer the question 
exactly how I feel right now. If we're going to see a successful season for Nebraska, successful being bowl eligibility or better, okay, and that's what Whipple touched on today, why just hope you limp into a bowl game? I'm paraphrasing. We'll hear the exact quotes here in a moment. Aim for the the sky. Reach for the stars, right? Not to go, uh, but his frustration has been that he has higher expectations than some of the guys on the team. And it comes back to mentality. Yes, you've changed head coach. Yes, you've changed coordinator. But I, I think overall here with Mickey and some of these newer coaches in charge mixed in with some of the older coaches is you have a, a change in leadership style, okay? And you have a change in leadership style. You have that. You've always had that from a coordinator standpoint. But now you're seeing a very demonstrative, demanding offensive coordinator. It's not hugs and being bros. It's, dude, this is what I'm asking you to do. Uh, go do it or else. And we've, we've hit on the accountability part, but it also bleeds over into the mentality. And all of these guys that are on staff still and now in newer positions uh, are uber ultra competitive. They want to win. They hate losing. And that's how it's always been or it should be. But now it's, it's being demanded that, listen, if you, give, if you give your best and it isn't enough, so be it. But you can look yourself in the mirror. That, that sort of take. Well, they're, they're being pushed and demanded to do things that coaches see and believe they can do. And they're going to get coached up to the best of the coach's ability to go execute that. And these guys are, are true teachers. They want to teach and, and get guys to perform. More from Whipple in the Post Presser today. In my history, you know, when I walk around being a nice guy, it just doesn't work as well as when I'm a Okay. I, I don't know why, and that's just what I told the kids on Monday. I said, look, man, I'm not, I'm down here. Just when I have something across my rear end, guys, we just play better, and that's really what it was like at, at halftime. He didn't like how things were going, right? You had a great drive to start, and uh, then you went a bit dormant, and that's how it's been with Nebraska. They'll open up typically drives to start the game, and in the second half, be on fire and then they'll go dormant for a while and then they'll find some rhythm nebraska did that in the fourth quarter with two fourth quarter touchdowns that's the good part but he wants him to be perfect well you're never going to be perfect but be really really good and if he's going to be a a jerk didn't use that word but we're going to edit selectively today and for him if he's going to be a jerk and, and and grumpy and grouchy and demanding Guys will respond or he'll find somebody who will. And that's just the, 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 the way things are. It's not that there hasn't been benchings before in Lincoln with, with Frost, but there was hesitancy to move on. You've seen changes in the offensive line, okay? You've seen quarterbacks get pulled. And you see guys who haven't been practicing not playing. Right, I mean, case in point, and I, I don't know, I, I assume Omar's been practicing more, but you saw a lot of Omar selectively last year. Omar got in in some, some key spots a year ago, right? Oklahoma against Michigan had big catches, and it's been kind of hit or miss 
with with Omar in the practice field, and, and he's detailed that. But you're not seeing much of Omar on second team or first team this year, and you know his talent levels up there when he's when he's healthy. But there's 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 a standard you got to reach, and there's a certain level of accountability that now exists in this football program for everybody, and that's key. And that's that's Whipple's going to hold himself accountable, and he's going to walk around being grumpy and and a jerk uh, to get out of what he needs to get out of guys. And you got to know who can take it, who responds, and how to button push. And he's seen enough football to know how to do that. And I think he's got a comfortable relationship. They may not like him at times, but I think they respect him. Well, that's what it almost sounds like. The, the thing is with Casey Thompson, where Mickey went up post game Saturday and said, well, we, we wanted to get the guy some experience. But you've heard a different tune from both Casey and from Whipple. Where Casey gets up there and says, yeah, I mean, I had to get to the sideline and say, man, I was eight of nine leading into this point. And I, I make one mistake and now I'm sitting on the sideline like I was frustrated with that and, and me and Whipple talked about that on the sideline. You also hear Whipple saying, well, uh, we expect better from our starting quarterback, and he needs to know that, which is a, a bit of a, a change of tune, and that's what I think I was getting at uh, at the start of this segment where I said that's what made the, this this media spot so refreshing is there wasn't any of that that BS, that coach speak, that, that play in politics with the, uh, the, the media. It was very straight and to the point, and this is what I saw, this is how I felt, this is why I did this, and I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Well, and, and the point is, hey, good work going eight for nine. You should be nine for nine, and you missed a touchdown that would have made you nine for nine. You're holding the ball too damn long. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have Whipple uh, bugged up, but I can, I can kind of feel how that conversation went. More on the decision to pull Casey from the O.C. Probably like Spurrier said to Danny Werfel, he said, hey, I'm not, I'm not mad at you, Danny. It's my problem because I put you in the game. So that basically is the same thing there. It's like you can't miss that 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 chance for a touchdown with Craze running wide open in that situation. And uh, so you know, he, you know, as I said, he, he bounced back, and, and I got to coach him better. My frustration that part, I, I got to coach better. That's I, you know, it's, I'm pointing the finger at, at myself, and, and uh, you know, so. Um, you know, because we said the season's, you know, we're almost halfway there. And I said, we got a chance. That's true. It's not smoke. You have a chance, and this is far from settled in the West. Here's the lesson, right? You as a Nebraska fan want to see the Big Red make a play on third and two, early in a ball game, late in a ball game at some point, a third and two where you have a chance to hit a guy and and score a touchdown or get a big gash play. That will be a difference. Nebraska's ability to flip out of this tailspin partly is going to come through their offense and quarterback play. You got a guy who's really talented throwing the football when he's got time to do so and in rhythm, right? Well, yanking a guy after he misses a third and two to Palmer lets him know that don't miss it again or else, and he's got to be able to be strong enough to bounce back from it. Casey absolutely seems like that type of dude and, and he highlighted that yesterday just as, as, as hard of the co- as coaching as he's had in his life going back to his dad he highlighted through you know peewee football when he was uh, you know six seven eight years old his dad coached him hard so uh, there's a thick skin with Casey Thompson he can take it 
and but but that's going to be the difference against an Iowa. Could be a difference Friday night against Rutgers, against Michigan. I mean, you got to make those plays and hit a guy that's open. And I'm not piling on Thompson here. I mean, that that's the point that Whipple's driving home with the yanking and with why he's so um, so demanding with, with his quarterback play in the offense. Well, and part of this is knowing what kind of athlete and what kind of person you have back there as well. Look, look at Casey's history. Whenever adversity has struck him and, and he's felt that someone has slighted him, someone has underestimated him, someone has called him out wrongly. Uh, you know, I think back to last year with Texas where he didn't start the year as the starter, and then as soon as he got his chance to become the starter, he goes and balls out. He's the type of guy who bounces back from that sort of thing like, oh, you want to bench me? I'll prove you wrong. That's what type of guy he is. Now, I'm sure not everybody in the offense responds like that, and that's, I'm sure, what Mark Whipple is working through right now. How how do I push these guys' buttons in the right way? But I think he found that. Uh, Looking back at Casey and what he's seen with Casey through his couple months here working with him is that, you know what, Casey's a guy that if I bench him for a series, he's going to come back and respond even better. He's not going to get out in the field and sulk. He's not going to get on the field and have self-doubt. He's the type of guy who's going to respond. And I, I think that's what we're kind of hearing here is that Mark Whipple wasn't worried about what Casey was going to do after he pulled him. No, he was worried about the team scoring points and, and being better. Exactly, now, and he, he absolutely knew Casey would be better after he got pulled. Well, it blew up in, in their face, too. Like, let's, let's okay, it's, it's great to, to, to hold guys accountable, but know your personnel, know the situation. And maybe he's seen Chubba come in in the shadow of his own goal line and perform in practice. Well, that, that didn't work out well at all for Nebraska with the pass play. Uh, they needed to burn the clock, run it out, just get to halftime at that point after the, the way the first half ended, momentum was gone, right? And, and what, what sparked Indiana was that, that, that strip sack in the end zone for a touchdown. The West, though, the bigger picture, the topic, uh, the goal is to win the West. Whipple very blunt with what he thinks about his offense and about this football team. What, what are their chances to go far in the West this year? For this offense, it frustrated me and because and, uh, it's been, I think, four games we've taken the ball and scored the first drive. And then they just act like, well, yeah, okay, you know. I'm like, we, we don't, nothing against our defense. We don't, we don't have this 86 Bears defense, <laughs> okay? Your job is to score touchdowns. And it's just like, you just, you know, you go three plays or whatever, we go 70 yards, and then you just start making mistakes, so. And um, um, my, my frustration a little bit was taken out on Casey, but he knows that I love him, you know, and, and that, that part. And I think it's – you can't do that with everybody, but he handled it really well, and he responded. You know, he, he responded, and uh, the, t- the team responded in the second half. But that's, my, my expectations just seem at times to be higher than, than, than our guys that are playing, and that's frustrating. You know, I was happy with the way we finished, and then and I told them on Monday, look – all right, hey guys, this is this is reality. We're in first place, okay? First place, first place. That's where you're at. So let's go forward from here, and that's what it is. Whether you, you know, we have a chance, and that's all I can ask for in this world. That one second. So there's Whipple on on the lay of the land. Last I hear from Whipple, Mitch Sherman's coming up. When it comes to the West being competitive, it's open. It's competitive. Is it dominant? And right now, you don't see a dominant team. No one seems like your counterpart over the East, like an Ohio State or a Michigan. It's competitive. 
I don't know if it's quality, but it's competitive. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? Numbers are numbers. You can play them any way you want. It's like, hey, the schedule ahead of us is we're in, we're in great shape. We're in, we're in, we're in, we're in great shape. That, that was the goal. What I said to him when I got here is to, to, win, to win the West and get to Indianapolis. Well, hey, that is the goal, and it is absolutely wide open. A year ago, the West had a handful of nine-win teams, eight-win teams. It was it was just brutal. As your division champ had, had one win, Nebraska had one win. Everybody else, Illinois was damn near bowl eligible. Wisconsin was a nine-win football team, so was Purdue. Iowa, I think, won 10 ball games, went to the Big Ten championship game. It's uh, it's not that this year. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic Hale Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Mitch Sherman will be with us here in about 15 minutes. Uh, we'll get caught up with him. He's... Finishing up an assignment by Mitch with us typically at 425 as uh, he is with The Athletic and we'll spend some time. Uh, we uh, have some comments here on the stream yard from Brennan. Let's put this into perspective. Uh, if we were Saban's team, would guys who are not performing at the expectation level still be playing? No. Well, yeah, simply put, no, but let's also understand that Saban's probably got a little bit more. Saban's backup is still going to the NFL. <laughs> exactly. Right? Right. So no, the, the starter's probably going to be a pro bowler. The backup's just going to be like a special teams guy in the NFL, but he's still getting drafted. Well, you have Matt chime in as well uh, when it comes to uh, Casey holding the, the ball too long at times. Uh, also, when he has an open field, he needs to take off. That's what I'm wondering about with with Casey Thompson. He's a guy that is is ultra tough. What's what's the narrative? What is the directive by the Nebraska offensive coaches? Are they allowing him to run? They are inside the five, right? And you need that threat of of the quarterback run game in, in the red zone because Nebraska's offensive line, while better at run blocking, still not dominant at run blocking. It just It's what they are. So if you have a one-two punch with the quarterback run and, and, and Grant or Yant, that, that helps things up, uh, offset with where a defense can key. And you've, you've been really, really good. You've been 80% in the red zone when it comes to touchdowns. You've been tremendous this season. That's been fixed. It needs to stay at a high level moving forward. But I, I'm interested here with Casey Thompson, to, to Matt's point, can we see him scramble a little more? You saw him scramble a little bit more. I, I think he ran for a few more yards. Uh, he, he ran a little bit against North Dakota and against Georgia Southern. 
didn't didn't run much against Oklahoma. Ran for his life against Oklahoma, but didn't didn't have any quarterback designed runs. There's been a, an instance or two where it's been a, a called quarterback draw for him. He can move. He's mobile. I do like that they roll him in the pocket. They started doing that in the second half against Indiana. You'll need to have him on the move. Quite honestly. Uh, the rest of the season with some of the defenses they're going to face. Uh, even if Nebraska's offensive line gets better, it's still not uh, the the five levels of visa protection. So will he take off? Will he be allowed to take off? I hope they let him do more than the occasional quarterback keep inside the five. The rest of the field is open, and if there is some more run-pass option with him, because Purdy did it against Oklahoma, Right, he's he's a guy that was able to tuck and run, and, and they were using him and in, in his athleticism. I think Casey's got quite a bit of athleticism. He's just not as big as a guy as pretty. Well, let's go back and look at what he did at, at Texas. And I know it's a different offense, but it's the same guy. He wasn't the type of guy that was going to be seeing man coverage and, and scrambling and picking up fifteen yards at Texas either. I mean, if there was one thing that that was a, a negative I, I mentioned this preseason from his playing days at texas is he did have a tendency to, to hold onto the ball a little bit long at times keep his eyes downfield and take a sack that killed the drive that was the one thing i saw in my in my film review mm-hmm. of casey thompson that that gave me a little bit of pause but i think it's not about trying to change who a guy is especially this deep into your college mm-hmm. career it's about scheming up and, and, what can he do? Scheming up and, and, and knowing what his deficiencies are and, and, and planning around that. You know that this guy, you know, yeah, he, he is going to keep his eyes downfield. He's going to take the occasion. And he'll hit, a, he'll, he'll, he'll hit a, a play downfield. I mean, look at the play against Northwestern, right, where he's running for his life, rolling out, uh, looks dead in the water, and then hits a big one for 60-plus for yards. But the thing I do like, though, about Casey is how he'll hang in the pocket – and step up in the pocket and make a throw, but he's just got to have time. He's got to have time to do it. That's a, a work in progress. Uh, Mitch Sherman going to be with us here, and then Coach Jim Walden next hour. Who's with us? We've got Jaden on the line. Jaden, thanks for calling. Welcome into Hale Varsity. Hey, Schmitty, how's it going? Good, brother. What do you know? Hey, I just think we need to be talking more. I know it's still early, but the turnaround of uh, getting Mickey Joseph and uh, Bill Bush uh, maybe into some full-time roles. I know uh, the coaching search is uh, still going, but, I mean, with the turnaround in two weeks, I, I'd i be amazed to see what they could do with an off season and uh, a fall camp and spring ball. And uh, they're obviously both good recruiters. So I think that'd be uh, – I think we should uh, be talking more about that. Uh, you know, we haven't totally got into, you know, the the, the, the coaching carousel today. It's been a, a topic for sure, Jaden, the last seven to ten days. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's, yeah, it is an audition. And you feel good right now as a Nebraska fan that, that Mickey delivered a win, that Bush delivered a win, that this team responded with the bye week. Uh, you know, you're going to have an opportunity Friday night, not going to be easy. But I think Mickey's going to make a case. Absolutely, he'll make a case because of his mentality. He's going to get the kids to, to play tougher, I think. Uh, I think Bush is getting kids to play confident. You look at Ty Robinson, case in point, we're going to hear from, from, hear from Bill Bush here in a little bit. No, I'm not writing off Mickey at all. I'm just keeping yeah. an open and open mind that, 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 that Trev will do a national search. And I, the one thing I don't think about Trev 
is Trev is is very calculated, and that's a compliment. He's not going to get caught up emotionally, right? Yeah. It's not going to be sentimental. His sentiment, his sentimental feelings is towards the football program, not one dude that's in the air quote interim role right now. He, he's looking big picture, year two, year three, year five, year ten, however long he's here, and. That what's the best big picture for Nebraska, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I just love the the mindset shift they've they've gotten established here in the first couple of weeks. So I think it'd be uh, be awesome to see that going forward. Hey, it's a football team for sure. They're shifting mentality. Jen, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Four six six three seven seven six or eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. You want to chime in? Yeah, and I'll I'll just add to that. Trev has got nothing but time here to make the right decision. The one thing you don't want to do whenever you have three months, that's how much time you gave yourself. You would assume this thing's got to be wrapped up probably in mid-December. I think even if Mickey Joseph makes a bowl game, I think you have to have the decision made whether or not you want to keep him or not before that bowl game is played. I think Trev's got until about mid-December. To, to get this thing right, which gives yourself three months. The one thing you don't want to do when you have three months is to be too hasty. You don't want to be the guy that's making the hasty decision. Wow, we got one great performance from Mickey. And I'm not saying that Mickey shouldn't be in contention here. He made a strong case for me on Saturday as well. Yeah. Uh, but but it was only the, the first step, only the first test. Mm-hmm. He's got six more tests upcoming. You have, you have the rest of the season. The rest of the season, yeah. I mean, Well, and what Nebraska can't do, and this was brought up by Tom Chattel, this was brought up by Mike Farrell of, of CBS, you cannot gamble and be wrong with this next hire. And you can get a case, a strong case made by Mickey Joseph and this current staff that you're not gambling. The attention to detail, the way they practice, the mentality, all those things moving forward can win you a lot of Big Ten games and climb you out of the cellar with what Mickey uh, has done. And from a recruiting standpoint, he can get you the dudes that can go, go, and get plays done. The, the Trey Palmers of the world, right? What Wisconsin just did is a gamble. Okay, what they know and what they've had was eight and four, nine and four, decent. Was it outstanding? No. Was it very, very solid? Is it a program that Nebraska wishes they had right now? Absolutely. And a lot of programs wish they had it. Wisconsin and McIntosh gambled to give Leonard a look before he may leave or he may get it. Or for them to get into the uh, the sweepstakes of Aranda or Leopold, both guys with Wisconsin connections. Who's with us? We've got Dave on the line. Dave, thanks for calling. Go ahead, bud. Dave, you're on with us. Go for it. I love you guys. Uh, I just wanted to mention. I know you haven't got to the Bill Bush interview yet. I listened to it earlier today. Uh, the one encouraging thing that I find from uh, Coach Bush is you talked about making adjustments. And it felt like and, and, and Coach Janander, he was a, he's a great guy, uh, did really well during his tenure, except for, let's face it, this year. But the fact that Bill talked about making adjustments, seeing what was going on, same thing with Whip. I mean, let's face it, sometimes you need Dad to kick you in the backside <laughs> to, to keep you in line. I, I think... Between Bush and and Whip and and Coach Joseph, I think we finally have some coaches that are willing to be the bad guy to 
bring out the good in some of these guys. I'll, I'll hang up and let you guys go, but I love you. Dave, appreciate you listening, man. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, no, and that's just it. Do you let me ask you this, Elijah? You're way younger than I am. Okay. And and I had a couple of friends in high school that their their parents were their friends, right? And then, like my dad was not knocked out of him, and he was willing and good at correcting. Okay. And that's that that's what you need when you're a snot nosed seventeen year old and you think you know it all. Uh, some of my buddies that didn't have that, it it wasn't it. There, there's some choices, right? That, that they've made that they wish they could have back. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to, to leadership and who's being the the parent, who's the adult in the room. And you feel like you absolutely have some adults in the room with Whipple. You got a grandfather in the room, right? Uh, and, and you know, if I'm going to if I'm going to compare Whipple to a grandfather, he's uh, he's Burgess Meredith and. What's the uh, the grumpy old man? <laughs> okay, he's 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 Burgess Meredith. He's that grandpa. Bush and Mickey, uh, in their own way, are going to challenge guys and find out how to challenge them and coach them up through one game. But it feels different because of the mentality. And you might not like hearing what they're going to say, but do you want to win? And so far, through one game and a bye week, okay, all this stuff they're throwing at me, it's getting. It's getting me prepared to be our best. And and I think kids will, will be willing to take a few tongue lashings or getting called out if if they're going to win. Because as Coach McBride said, I think they like the taste of winning. That they do. That they do. And they haven't had it a lot. Right? It's uh, Will Ferrell. That once that beer hits your lips, it's so good. I, I, I can get behind. I like the taste of winning, too. I'm a big fan. It's better than the alternative, and the alternative's been going on. Okay, we'll try and run it Mitch Sherman. Thoughts from Bill Bush. Jim Walden coming up. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, what would you think of Whipple today? Thanks for the time. Um, well, I'm happy that, and I hope it stays this way for the rest of the year, and I, I, I think it will. We are, we're getting, like, raw, un, uncut Mark Whipple. This is like Mark Whipple in his basement <laughs> with a beer in one hand watching – college football and just talking about it that's that's how it feels on tuesdays and it's it's gotten more and more like that you know really from the first time we met mark whipple i I mean i'm not gonna i'm you know not gonna lie about this it it was like that from the beginning but now that we're into a season I, i feel like it's 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 even more he was um he was in rare form today what did saturday show you moving forward if you're gonna apply it to, to not only Friday, but, but beyond. Uh, Nebraska's always been a, a tough team to predict, but do they seem a little more solid based on what you saw Saturday? Well, you know, I mean, think back a year ago, and Nebraska was on a, on a slide at the beginning of the year, and then the same week came the Northwestern game, and it looked a lot better than we saw on Saturday night against Indiana, you know, 56-7, and we were probably talking 
on the Tuesday after that game about how is this the one that has right the sh- righted the ship? Mm-hmm. And hey, Northwestern's coming off of a Big Ten West uh, championship the year before, so this is this is uh, this is looking up. So I would he- hesitate to read too much into one one game. You know, I want to see another one. If Nebraska can be on a two game winning streak when it goes to Purdue next week, then I, you know, I'll be intrigued. Um, from for a, from a number of, of standpoints, first and foremost, you know, for, for the big picture importance of the program because of what it could mean for Mickey Joseph's candidacy for the for the full time position. You know, we we've known from the beginning that he was fighting an uphill battle, um, in part because he's the interim and he hasn't been a head coach. And you know, Trev Alberts is going to want somebody who's seasoned in this role. Um, you know, but what if uh, you know Mickey Joseph shows that that's uh, you know that he has the intangibles that they're looking for, and, and you know what if uh, that this roster becomes galvanized under him, and Nebraska is a different team in November than it was in the middle of September. Then, then you know you're having a different conversation. And what if some of the candidates that Nebraska potentially is looking at um, don't end up being interested or, or go to other schools? So you know, there's it's just it continues to just be such a fluid situation. Um, you know, the big thing about Saturday night, uh, you know, aside from what I said, is is just that Nebraska pulled it pulled it out in the fourth quarter. And, you know, that's something that we can't say um, about any game against um, a Big Ten team, you know, going all the way back to 2020. You know, maybe that Rutgers game in 2020 when Nebraska dominated statistically, but, uh, you know, it had to, had to find a way to win in the second half. So it didn't happen at all last year. The one game that, that they won, it was a blowout. And then, of course, it hasn't happened happened this year until Saturday. So that's you know I don't think it's a coincidence. Uh, you know I, I think that Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush and this this reshaped coaching staff has a lot to do with with um, you know building, starting, starting to build confidence in those guys, and it showed uh, when it mattered uh, in that game. Now, Mitch, I know you said you don't want to read too far into one game, but I'm just going to dive into it just a little bit here. As you talked about the fourth quarter, it really looked like Nebraska wore down that Indiana defense with their rushing attack. And I remember mm-hmm. uh, another coach sitting in his basement with a beer in hand saying that Mark Whipple didn't like running the football. But Nebraska ran the ball 51 times on Saturday night. Do you think that could be a recipe for success moving forward? Or is that just Nebraska imposing their will on an Indiana front seven that, that you know, uh, wasn't as physical as Nebraska's offensive line. We've seen Nebraska's offensive line get out physical. So I just want to know if you think that's a recipe for success moving forward, if that's just a one-game aberration. Well, it's not the best rush defense that Nebraska's going to see the rest of the way. I can tell you that. Um, That's not Indiana's strength, is going toe-to-toe in the trenches. But it's still a Big Ten team. And, you know, there's something about the mindset that Nebraska has to have in order to have any chance at all to make that kind of play work. So it's good to get off on the right foot and do it at the start of that quest against a team that isn't the best um, at defending that kind of a thing. You know, Mickey Joseph went into that game and, you know, I watched him in pregame warmups getting getting down and dirty and, and really animated as he worked and watched the worked with and watched the, the linemen on both sides of the ball. So and, you know, and then he made the comment in in pregame on on BTN about the mo- the most physical team is going to win this game. He wanted Nebraska to be the most physical team, and 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 say he said it again. He repeated it after the game, and he thought like Nebraska did finally win that that battle, and that and that's going to get more difficult with with each passing week. Um, you know, part of that I think is Nebraska was fresh coming off of the bye, and it it wasn't a great opponent, but it, it's again it's still a Big Ten team. So I. I I don't know if that's the recipe that Nebraska can rely on. Look, Nebraska probably has a fourth quarter back in, in Anthony Grant, 
um, you know, who's somebody who can who can pound um, and, and who can get yards in in times where they need to maybe run the four minute offense or run out the clock. You know, want to want to end the game with the ball. Um, he's more talented at that than backs that Nebraska's had for for several years. But you know, it takes more than him. They've got to they've got to continue to improve play out of the line. And I don't think this is a team that can just that can just lean on opponents um, for the for the rest of the way. They're going to have to have to rely on guys like Trey Palmer and Travis Bokolek to uh, to move the chains, and then they can they can start to go to the run game. Mitch, I've got about two and a half minutes before a hard out, so real quick, what do you think of the Rutgers matchup? And uh, you know, Nebraska has some momentum going in, but what strikes you about Rutgers? Well, we'll talk a little bit to Bill Bush today about Vedral, um, and you know, he knows that family well. Knows Mike Vedrill, Noah's dad, and 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 you know has been around them, and and just understands the toughness that that, that comes with with Noah. And, and if Noah's back, uh, I, know, I know he's he's been in and out of the lineup this year, but if he's back, you know he's going to have a a lot of motivation to play well against Nebraska in his final year of college. Um, you know, not that he has anything against those guys, but it's a competitive thing. It's his former program, and and uh, you know I think you're going to see him him give a lot in that game and not go down go down easy and that'll that should feed over you know he's one of the older guys on that roster so I think it'll feed over to to his teammates and and Rutgers is not a pushover you know you see the score against Ohio State last weekend and it, it doesn't look pretty but uh, Rutgers was was playing hard in the second half of that game and has played hard and that's those are the traits of a of a Greg Schiano coach team so you know I think it's going to be different um, than what Nebraska experienced when it went to Rutgers at the end of the 2020 season and and really out outmatched physically that team. I think the, the, the gap has closed between these two programs, and, and, you know, you'll see that on display. Mitch, about a minute, your thoughts, and if we need to carry over for a couple of minutes, we can, but what did the Wisconsin uh, move say to you? It says that Wisconsin doesn't want to lose Jim Leonard, and they want to give him every opportunity to get this job and, and not allow somebody else to swoop in and, and get him. You know, they see that things are – are spinning in the wrong direction under Paul Chris. They're two and three. They've, they're zero and two in the Big Ten. You know, haven't been competitive the past two weeks, and that's not Wisconsin football. So they have a guy and a thirty-nine-year-old defensive coordinator that they want to give every opportunity to be the next head coach. And, and you know, maybe the ideal plan was for him to take that job when he was forty-three or forty-four years old. But um, you know, that's not the way that it's. It was evident that it wasn't going to work that way, and that he may have emerged as a candidate this year for for. for um, schools that had openings, so Wisconsin said, you know, we're going to we're going to get ahead of this thing, give them a seven game tryout right now, and hopefully it works out, and they can just slide him into that role. So, um, you know, that's that's the number one thing that that it says to me about about what uh, Chris McIntosh and, and Wisconsin did up there on Sunday. Mitch Sherman, Mitch, can I have a couple minutes on the other side? Is that all right with you? Yeah, that works. All right, Mitch Sherman, more with Mitch coming up. Hail Varsity will wind down this first hour. Jim Walden coming up, his take on the Big Red. Hail Varsity is presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Mitch Sherman, kind enough to give us some overtime here at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Find him and read him with The Athletic. Mitch, know you're keeping an eye on the, the, the coaching carousel and with Wisconsin now in the interim stage. Same with Nebraska. When it comes to some of the candidates and two of the three we've talked about, Leopold and Aranda have Wisconsin connections. You also have Matt Campbell. You know, what What do you think of the uh, the, the head-to-head here for, for the job, Nebraska v. Wisconsin, uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, interest and, and uh, 
the the ability for a candidate to say, all right, I'm going to pick this job over the other? Well, you know, I, as I said before, um, I think that Wisconsin's plan is to give Jim Leonard, the interim, every opportunity to get this job. Right. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the grand plan at Wisconsin is for him to be the head coach there at some point, and they've accelerated the process, at least in, as far as his, his tryout. You know, maybe they envision that his tryout might come as a, as a smaller school head coach, and then he could come back after a couple years when Chris was ready to step down. But that all got, mm-hmm. that all got changed here in the last few weeks. And now, um, instead of him going to a Power 5 school and, and potentially never coming back, they, they're, they're, they want him to maybe slide right into that role. So if, if that works out and you see Wisconsin turn it around and you know the schedule turns a little favorable for the Badgers, these next couple of weeks with Northwestern and Michigan state, maybe they can get some confidence. Like perhaps we're starting to see from Nebraska. Uh, then, then Leonard is the coach and, and it doesn't impact Nebraska at all. Um, because of course, Wisconsin's not in the market to, to start a domino effect, but yeah, if it goes any other way, I think they're going to be looking at similar guys. Um, you know, Blypold makes a lot of sense to be considered for both schools. If Aranda has any interest at all in leaving Baylor, you know, if, if he's, if he wants to get to the Big Ten, you know, sees that as a destination for him, um, you know, I think then then he'll con- he'll he, he would he would consider talking to both ads. That's it could be a really interesting storyline in a few weeks, but you know we got to watch what Wisconsin does here with um, with Leonard as the assist as the uh, the interim coach before you, you really get any kind of a sense at all if they're even going to be in the market for other candidates. Mitch Sherman with us on Hale Varsity. Mitch, safe trip back east, and we'll check in again soon. Thanks for your time today. Okay, thanks, Chris. There he is, Mitch Sherman with us. Hale Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter with The Athletic. And uh, there's something to think about because that is uh, a reality, right? I mean, it's okay, say the interims don't win the job. You, you got to continue to go with that national search. Todd emails in. So we're world beaters somehow now, huh? LOL. Were these coaches bound and gagged prior and had no voice, but now are free to do their jobs? I'm confused. Plus, we very easily could have lost to Indiana. Uh, Todd, I, I think it's as simple as this. You have a new head voice. You have a new defensive voice. This is what they think is best. This is what they coach the kids to do. This is what the kids went out and executed, and boom, they won. You had two weeks of Mickey being real, but also two weeks of of Mickey and Bush being real, but also building up, trying to pump in confidence, getting them ready. There's your, there's, there's your difference the last two weeks. Before we get out of here, can I just clear up one thing? I'm seeing some comments in on the stream yard. I just want to say, Brennan is not Clausburn. No. Even, even if he was, I wouldn't tell you, but... Clausburn's imaginary and he wears red. Jim Walden <laughs> point. wore a lot of red. He's up next on Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. 
That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Tower 2 at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. The gentleman, the gunslinger from Mississippi and longtime coach with Coach Devaney, head coach at Iowa State and Washington State. We say hi to Jim Walden. Coach, how's it going? Well, it's going just great. Uh, couldn't be better. The weather is just outstanding, as it probably is in the Midwest. We've got a Beautiful fall weather out here in Idaho, and the Cougars are doing well. And so all the fun things that college football brings to us, Schmitty, is all here. Well, things are getting packed up to head to to New Jersey for a Friday night game. But your takeaway so far, we were talking a little bit off air, and this season's felt like uh, two or three seasons, the way things started in, uh, (laughs) in Ireland and the changes that happened and Mickey and, and Bill Bush and the rest of the staff and the kids really responded well Saturday night. Well, as I told you, I think the best thing uh, for Mickey was that he had an open date. It gave him two weeks to kind of get the players back on the page, maybe some to stop feeling sorry for themselves that they didn't do better to help Scott, uh, to try to get them through the process to say, look, we got to set that all aside for the time being. You can worry about that when the season's over. But for right now, we got to look forward to what we've got. It's not going to change. I'm here. I'm going to do the best job I know how to do uh, and explain himself to them and the staff's changes. And so I think it was a wonderful break for Nebraska and Mickey Joseph that they had that open date. Jim Walden with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, Nebraska. Had to lick some wounds after Oklahoma uh, really played their best football game of the season. They've gone a, a different direction since playing Nebraska in Lincoln. But this team has, as Mickey said, Monday bought in on being physical. And it's been a different approach or maybe more of a, of a stern approach, Coach Walden, with how Mickey's running things. More, dare I say, tackling in practice. Uh, a lot of accountability, and that's the first thing Mickey Mickey said in his post game against Oklahoma. It's on me. He took uh, responsibility and ownership. And even Saturday night, if you're not performing, guys are actually getting pulled for the first time in a while. There's not been a lot of benching that's happened in Lincoln here the last few years. Well, oh, that sounds like it used to be. <laughs> 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 what you just said, I, I think. When did that go out? Um, I, 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 don't, I don't identify with the other side of whatever it is that used to be at Nebraska. I only, and I'm not saying this to, to be facetious. I, what you just explained with that, with that Mickey Joseph is doing it, I, I'm sorry, but when I left coaching, that was the expected. Mm-hmm. That was the norm. Uh, and if, if kids don't do what they're supposed to do to hold up their end of the bargain for the team, they come out of the game. 
uh, it, that's been going on for 100 years. And, and if you think you're too big for that, then that's, a, that's on the coach. And to me, the only way you ever get the attention of all the, all the people that you're coaching is that they all know there is no one above the coach. And the coach meaning the, the, the assignment, what we're supposed to do, what we have to do. We can't just stay out here and let some guy do what he wants to do uh, and then let the rest of us down. So that was good news to my ears. Well, it's uh, it showed up on, on the practice field and it showed up at least through one game. But have you ever been through anything that that Nebraska's been through this season in your career, either as an assistant or as a head as a head coach with so much transition? Well, no, because we didn't have the portal. Um, I've been through some seasons where we didn't have very good talent, Mm -hmm. but what we had was our fault or what we had, we found. And, and I never had a group that I thought didn't play the hardest they could. I used to say, you know, uh, uh, a cat's very strong and will fight hard, but he'll never beat the lion. And so uh, that's the way it is. Sometimes you have kids that will give you everything they got. They just don't have much. And that's a long season when you run into that. But with all the stuff that's happened in the last 12 months, so to speak, at Nebraska with the coming and the going, mm. and, and there's a lot of people that would normally say, well, you feel sorry for Scott Frost. I go, hey, he made $35 million not to, not to succeed. I'm sorry. I don't have a lot of – I don't feel bad about him, but I don't feel sorry for him. And, and besides that, you're paid to turn and make results. No, make no bones about it. Uh, when I got into coaching, I understood the backside rule. Mm-hmm. Win, work your butt off, do the best you can with every team you have, and let the people make decisions on that. And uh, the only firing that I've seen so far, i change the subject just a little mm-hmm. bit, to say on the basis of Scott, I got no problem. On the basis of the coach at Wisconsin, here's what I would have done if I would have been the president of Wisconsin. When the AD came in and told me that he wants to fire a guy that's 79 and 27 or something like that, uh, I would have said to him, well, you're the AD. You know what's best for the athletic department. I'm going to let you make that decision. But tomorrow I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to do what I think is best for the athletic department, and I'm going to fire you. And then you kind of wondered if they would have fired um, I can't, his mind slips. I slipped Paul, his mind Paul right Christ, now. But Paul Christ. Chris, yeah. I, you just wonder if the AD would have had the same conviction to fire Paul Chris if the president had told him that. Well, Jim, do you think this is kind of the uh, the, the the natural progression of college football towards what the NFL does? You see a lot more midseason firings in the NFL, kind of that, that mantra that every season's important and no season's lost this early. And now you've already seen five Power 5 head coaches let go so far this season. Do you think this is the, the natural progression of college football towards what the NFL does with their pro model, and this might be the, the standard moving forward? Without a doubt. Once it starts, you're not going to get it stopped. Uh, the, the ADs and the presidents at this point all believe that their coaches are making – uh, hey, making compared to what I made, it's not even on the charts. How bad? I, I, there was a time when you didn't fire a coach making one hundred and two thousand dollars or seventy two thousand dollars, or probably Bob Devanish a salary of thirty five thousand when, <laughs> when he was there. But uh, it, it, so you, nobody was that heartless. You just said, "Hey, we'll get to this when the season's over." 
run the course, and blah, blah, blah. You stuck with it for bad or for worse. But when you're making three to five to eight to $11 million a year, they have no compassion to keep you. If the program's terrible and it's going downhill uh, and it doesn't look any better than, say, Nebraska's was looking over the last five years, it's time to make a change, get on with it, and, and that's the new trend. And uh, that's, that's what money does. And don't feel sorry for any of these coaches. I saw where the least amount was being paid to one of them may have been Carl Morell at, at uh, Colorado, and he's making $9 million. He's going to get a $9 million check. Uh, so I'm sorry. I don't feel too sad for him. I get a kick out of Coach Orgeron. Uh, I was at a touchdown club in Little Rock. Yeah, this is about a month ago, Coach Walden, and and old Coach O's like, well, you're going to give me a $17 million check, huh? Well, uh, what door do you want me to leave, and what time do you want me to leave? <laughs> this, is, this is what Orsher well, said. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Smitty, you'll get a kick out of this. About five years ago, I thought about trying to look, trying to get somebody to recommend me for one division, one job and pay me $3 million a year for a five-year contract if you would guarantee you'd fire me after one year. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take one for the team is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come in and, and I'll organize them and we'll, I'll have the cheering section. I'll get them, do all the, the portals and get everybody lined up. And then we'll go through a season, come hell or high water. I don't care what the record will be. But come December, I want you to pick up the check for my uh, rest of my $15 million. So that's how I <laughs> well, – because I, I could have used the money. If Barry Alvarez had still been at Wisconsin, I'd have called him. But he wasn't the AD anymore, so I didn't call him. Well, Nebraska's <laughs> been pretty good about doing that the last 20. Well, they paid a lot of money for guys not to coach. Um and I, I, I hope, in my heart, I hope they'll give Mickey every chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got it. He's got a chance now to do an on-the-job uh, interview, if you want to call it mm-hmm. that. Um, he's got a half a season now to, to show people that he can be what he was when he was there as a player. He can do it as a coach. I'm pulling hard for him. Um, but if that's not the case, then they need to take full-time and then whatever you do, don't go to the top five teams in the nation and think you got to hire one of their assistants. I know he didn't pan out from Central Florida, but doggone it, uh, don't don't overlook quality coaches that are head coaches someplace else. Instead of, I, I know the guy at Georgia has done a great job. He was with Nick for seven or eight years. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying don't overlook quality head coaches that have proven records. And I look at Kansas right now and I think. Boy, that was a nice hire. Well, and I want to ask you about the the Kansas job and, and the Iowa State job, right? Coach Campbell's mm-hmm. had his name swirl about some some big time jobs, and he's he's on the, the short list, right? National search. You've seen the names of, of Leopold in Kansas, and of course Campbell mm-hmm. from Iowa State, uh, O'Brien down at Bama under Saban. Uh, those are those are really. The names uh, fickle. I mean, there's like a wish list, and then there's reality, and and the reality feels like today, Coach Walden. Once you take on this, I mean, today Lance Leipold says I'm happy at Kansas, kind of putting out mm-hmm. the Wisconsin rumors because now with you know he was a he's a native Wisconsinite, but I didn't think I'd see a day where uh, a coach would would 
would choose to stay at Iowa State or Kansas, and, and the football world's different. Nebraska's not what they've been. I totally get it. But coaches are content, and they're making a ton of money, and they've already built. Why Why go build somewhere mm-hmm. else? That's, that's kind of the feel right now uh, in comparison to the Nebraska opening. No doubt about it. And uh, they're not going to leave, uh, especially the Kansas guy. No. Right now, there's no man in the state of Kansas even the basketball coach who won a national championship is not as popular as the head coach at Kansas football is right now. And so you don't walk away from that for one more million and back to a program that's not what they were when Tom Osborne walked away. Mm-hmm. What the fans at Nebraska have to come to grips with for all of us that's sitting outside that still loves them is they're not anywhere near what they were in 1990 to, to somewhere into that range. It has gone down a long way to a point where if you're getting it done at Kansas and you're doing well at Iowa State and have done well since you've been there, no, you've not won a national championship. No, you've not won a conference championship, but neither has Nebraska. But you have the love of the people that you're working for, and that's hard to walk away from, Schmidt. And so I don't see – You can go talk to him, Mm -hmm. but in my heart, knowing what I know about Campbell, and I don't know Leopold, but I will tell you right now, your chances of getting either one of them are 10%. Coach Jim Walden is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Coach, it's a tough gig, Nebraska, and I think that's the the main sticking point for these coaches, why they might want to stick at their jobs, as as Schmitty said, is it's not what it used to be. So I want to ask you the question. I'm going to put you on the spot here just a little bit. If Trev Alberts gave you a call and said, Coach Jim, we, we need you here at Nebraska. We, we need you to handle this rebuild. What, what would a, a few steps in your rebuild of Nebraska look like? Well, I first have to evaluate the state and, and kind of go back to when Coach Devaney and when Tom had it and, and Frankie had it. Uh, and by the way, if you go back and check history, that's when it all went downhill and it hadn't been back since. So that's the starting point. But I, I would have to see what's happening with the athletes in Nebraska. When I was there, we got everybody that we thought was possible. Then we did a great job recruiting uh, California junior colleges and the state in the back east. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monty did a great job in New Jersey. We got some great athletes out of that area. And, but the keynote for all of us at that time, now I know times change, but I wanted to know how could we get the good Omaha uh, and surrounding areas, are we going to get the top ten kids in Nebraska it, it, like we did? And then do you have a solid walk-on program that you can build to that? Bring that top 20, uh, what they call uh, the recruited walk-ons, and see where that is. Because, guys, when I was there, and I think well, all through Tom's years, uh, we never had a bad recruiting year. You go get the 20, 22 kids you could in someone else's area, and then you always had the seven or eight top-notch kids in Nebraska. But what really covered for us was if we missed on a half a dozen kids outside of Nebraska, the walk-ons always covered for us. We always were never shocked to find that about six or eight of the guys that we had not scholarship turned out to be really good players. That has to happen if Nebraska is going to go forward. They have to do that. They've got to control the best athletes, the top 30 athletes in Nebraska. They have to get 
down to the university. Jim Walden with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Coach Walden, long time at Iowa State, Washington State, assisted for Bob Devaney, worked with uh, Monty Kiffin, his take on the Big Red. We'll talk coaching search with him, a reminder about red zone tickets selling fun. Since 2001, do you have seats you want to get rid of, seats you want to go? Uh, and, uh, and and buy to the NFL, to Creighton Hoops. How about Nebraska football, Husker volleyball, the College World Series, all the concerts you want to be at. It's Red Zone Tickets, redzonetickets.com, and uh, they are local. They are folks from Omaha with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, a local source, and uh, get logged on today, 100% guarantee, redzonetickets.com is uh, where you go to get uh, the seats you want to be at. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jim Walden's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, you know the Kiffin family well. What's your your thought on Lane down at Ole Miss? Do you think he's uh, lifelong at Ole Miss, or do you think Lane might have a wonder and eye? He was on uh, on Twitter just a week and a half ago, and they had a nice win against Kentucky. Lane's done a great job, mm-hmm. but he was uh, letting the student section know that it shouldn't be empty for a top-10 team. Well, knowing Lane and the decisions he's made, and I used to tease Monty about this, I said, well, uh, <laughs> knowing I know what they – he's not to chip off your block. <laughs> I mean, Monty and his son are two totally different people. Lane is a – Maybe he's more like Robin. He thinks independent of himself. So don't ever, ever try to outthink Lane Kiffin in a sense of what he will do. So the answer to that is if Lane Kiffin thought that Nebraska offered him a better opportunity, one thing I know he'll know, whatever's at Nebraska is 75000 You can tell me. I don't know. I think it's about seventy five, eighty thousand. Well, that's exactly how many are going to be there. <laughs> so he doesn't have to worry about the student section not being full. So if, if that has an impact, don't think for one minute that Lane Kiffin, and I'll tell you something else, don't think for one minute it wouldn't be a great choice. My feeling about him is he might be the brightest. He might have the most the brightest offensive mind in terms of how he does things, where he moves people. I love him, and it's not because of his dad. I, I just have to think professionally. Monty Kiffin is one of the brightest lights on the tree when it comes to ingenious offense. Jim Walden with us. Coach, real quick, uh, Pac-12, what's, uh, what's it look like to you this year? Also the Big 12. You got a winner for me in the league at this point? Well, I'm going to go with Okie State uh, back there, although mm-hmm. TCU just stunned me. But it seems to me like uh, Smitty that Okie State seems to have all the parts they need when they need them. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, until this I'm interested in the Texas OU game. This is a big game 
for a lot of reasons this weekend, Smitty. That's, one of those two teams is going to get shoved over in the corner. So I, I really think right now Oakley State is the answer there. And I think uh, out here, I don't think anybody's better than Utah. They are strong on both sides of the ball. They're well coached. Um, and after Oregon is good, but it was an embarrassment they put on. I mean, I'd like to say they're a really good team, and I watched them barely beat Oak, uh, Washington State, and mm-hmm. it was barely by a, a, bad, a couple of bad calls, if you don't know the truth, that they've admitted to. Um, but if they're only three points better than Washington State, who I think at best is a top 25 maybe, mm-hmm. uh, at, you know, they might win eight games this year, and that's wonderful. But when you only beat a team that's no better than eight wins, you're, you're not in the hunt. And when you lose to the number one team in the nation at the time, 49-3, to three, you're off the board. Mm-hmm. So it's Utah and Okie State for me. Big Ten West is wide open. We've uh, spent plenty of time in, in Nebraska after all this to circle back as we ended here. Uh, is, is tied for first. And, yeah, right? And, and good for them. And they, they have an opportunity, and I think they, they have some belief now. But this West is just wild, Coach. I mean, Iowa, I think, will, will get better, but their offense is a problem. Old Bielema and, and, and Illinois look pretty tough. Minnesota has been a mess. At least uh, they were last Saturday. But do you keep an eye much on the West at all? Yeah, and one of the, one of the things is uh, not only do I keep an eye on it, I made a few dollar bet last week on Minnesota in the over. They were averaging thirty something points. Purdue was averaging about twenty. So I figured that's about a sixty five point game. So explain to me how all of a sudden Minnesota, who's averaging a good thirty five, thirty eight points a game. You can play Purdue and score ten points. Cause you is it just because I bet on them, Smitty? Is that the reason? <laughs> I don't think were, I don't but, think Abraham uh, played. I don't think their stud running back played. That would have been useful information for you. <laughs> <laughs> if if, if I, I'm going to call you next time when I get ready to bet on one of those Westside Big Ten teams, I need the info. <laughs> but right now, I'd say the the luckiest, the unluckiest one is the one that wins the division because they'll have to play either Ohio State or Michigan. So they may not want to win the division over there. That's pretty good. Well, I'll, I'll be here with the uh, the bat line ready for the overs or unders, <laughs> Coach Jim Walton. Coach, we, we love you. We appreciate your time, and, and thanks for giving us a few minutes today. No problem, man. I love you. I love the folks in Nebraska. So have a good weekend. Win one. Yeah, that'd be good. Down in, the, out in New Jersey. Take care, Coach. You bet. Goodbye. Well, Jim Walden, leaning on me for over-under predictions, that is a scary, scary thought. I I love that. Coaches, you're not supposed to predict the weather, right, typically? And he's like, man, I bet the over Purdue and Minnesota, and I got bit. But pretty good insight. Always good insight from Jim Walden, man. He, he's, a, he's a former coach. I think the best bit of insight he could give was right there at the end, and that's when in doubt, always bet the over. It's a lot more fun to root for points. Well, completely fun to, to, to root for points. But, but maybe not in the Big Ten. <laughs> the West is going to turn into 17-13. to 13 yeah, better, b- better betting advice probably for this year is just avoid the Big Ten West as a whole. We'll have to talk to Danny about that on Thursday. Yeah, we will for sure get in with our friend from VEASAN Sports. Uh, let's talk with Bill Bush as Coach Bush spent some time after the ball game, after uh, practice today, rather, and he... Uh, 
you laid it out. First and foremost, right, you, you, you label it and you emphasize it. You emphasize something, you'll be good at it. Well, it's all about competition. And uh, Bill Bush said, yep, today was Competition Tuesday. Uh, today was Competition Tuesday. And uh, Coach Joseph's done a great job of, of having our guys ready to compete. And uh, it was in every drill. Uh, we had good on good. Uh, we had special teams good on good. Everything was about competition, getting ourselves better, because uh, we got a you know, really, really uh, uh, a big man's fight uh, this next Friday night. And so we did a great job with that. Again, just uh, praise the coaches and uh, Coach Joseph for the plan that we had put together uh, to really get these guys in the right spot on this short week. So it's been really, really good. Kids have, have, uh, have put in extreme amount of time extra on film, done as much as we can physically. It's a fine balance between how you're going to get these guys ready to play, to be uh, have the knowledge of the schemes that they're going to see or have to defend, and also be fresh enough to be able to do that. Uh, but we've already talked about that. We're blocking out any noise. Don't care about that it's a, a road game and it's on the East Coast or any of those things. Just getting our guys ready to play. And uh, they've responded extremely well. They're taking care of their bodies well. So very, very excited about them. So, again, I'm just, uh, just very, very lucky to have such good coaching staff and uh, have such great players to be putting the work in every day. And it's been really, really good. So more on, on that label of a, a big man's fight. Thoughts on Rutgers. I know their staff well enough, I know their head coach well enough. Uh, he's all about toughness, which everyone says, but you see it on film. So everybody says, you've got to be the toughest team on the field. Most field. Everyone says it, right? But you turn their film on, that's who they are. And so they're very good up front. Their offensive line is big, thick, physical. I mean, they, they line up and they'll run power and physical power game. Actually, they'll run wildcat. They'll run the quarterback. Turns into 11 on 11 football, which is like option football. And so they, I mean, they ran the ball downhill really well against Ohio State in the second half. And so it, it's a I mean, trust me, they got plenty of skill, and their quarterback's really good. <clears throat> Doesn't matter which one we see; they're all really good. But uh, but they want to be extremely tough at the line of scrimmage, and it shows up on film so we have our hands uh, our hands full and, and that's what we're preparing for to play a little bit more on Rutgers and Chiano from Bill Bush you know I've never worked with him personally I know him well enough through a lot of uh, other people and like I said first of all he understands the league really well he understands the, the methodology of how to turn a program around which he's done there before and that was all done the same way because I know a lot of those players and and I worked with those guys and I was at Rutgers his former players and it was all about the grit and so that's what he knows about this this conference and uh, uh, he's very impressive as a coach their whole staff is very impressive and uh, uh, like I said you just know what you're up against when you play them. So Bill Bush was asked about Nebraska's defensive performance Saturday and, you know, what allowed the defense to be successful under 300 yards total allowed, just 14 points allowed. What was it about uh, him being the coordinator and Nebraska showing out Saturday? Well, the thing that stood out from Saturday the most was our number one goal. We had two goals. Number one thing, get lined up and play fast because there are so many clips on film of teams not lined up. I mean, there was, you know, you saw against Cincinnati, they had a walk-in touchdown because they weren't lined up. It's all over the film. Sometimes there's 14 guys on the film. Sometimes there's 11 on the film, but only four of them are lined up. It's all over the place. So so we went 100% in alignment of getting lined up. We didn't have any of that. We did not say we played it perfect once we got there, but we got lined up. So that was the thing that that transferred over and then be able to get the calls in. And then we were able to, as the game went along, even though they were going fast, 
fast, then we were able to call different things. But early in the game, we just went same, same a lot. So whatever the call was before, we called the same call again. And the kids, that, that I think, gave them a chance to breathe and get lined up instead of always, because the panic would always come if you're ever looking over to get a call and guess what's going on over here? They're lining up. So that was a part to try to get faster on. So You say you were lined up right every time? What's that? You were lined up right every yeah, time? Yeah, as far as our cleats were in the ground. Our cleats were in the ground. There might be time like that. I'm sure maybe sometimes hopefully maybe saw the nickel insider should have been outside or something like that, but uh, uh, it, they were, our feet were in the ground. We never went through and just went, oh my God, we're not lined up. Number two's not covered. One's uncovered. The tight end, that. so they got lined up really well in that spot. And then they said there's always maybe some shades or some things that could be better for us, but very happy with that. Let's go 96% simple. I don't give myself a pickle if you find something. <laughs> More from Bill Bush. And uh, how about Ty Robinson? Really good ball game. And you had Bush sit down with Matt Millen. We had Matt on last week to talk Big Red, and uh, the conversation helped inspire Ty uh, Saturday night. Matt Millen did the, did the game, so I talked with him a lot day before the game, and I talked to him a lot on game day, and he talked to me about, about Ty. He goes, it seems like he's very talented. He goes, there's probably more in him. So I, me and Ty sat down and talked about that exact comment uh, with him. I said, and I go, he's right. I said, there's more in you at that, and, and he, he had more in him on Saturday. What he did was he always plays hard. There's not an issue with playing hard, but he made more plays, and that was the part that he finished some things up on that was good for him that. So uh, Ty has been one of the reasons that uh, myself being able to transition into this role has been doable because of Ty, because he has been a leader, he's taken coaching, whatever that that he's not he's not he's not a palms up guy, and he's just all in. So that's that's helped us a lot. So good stuff from Bill Bush laying out the the why. Right, the defense was better Saturday. They'll need it Friday night. Again, we're on the road Friday at the Hale Varsity Club up in La Vista. Want to see you out? We're doing a show four to six, and then get you right into kickoff. The usual suspects be with us Friday night. Elijah and I uh, ready to rock and roll. Then the uh, reaction show follows at the Hale Varsity Club. So uh, be there with us. Uh, get a cold beer, get a burger, get some Wagyu. If you're into salads, they've got plenty to choose from as well. You want wings? Tommy like wingy? I'll be getting some wings. I know we're, you're going to get. We're closing this place down. Well, yeah, you're going to get wings, but are you? The more important question is: Are you going umbrella drink? I'm not getting a mojito this time. You, you, sure. you, it, was, you, it, was, it was great. It, it tasted great, you, but that you, picture will live on forever. You can't go umbrella drink if it's a game in Jersey. Uh, we'll hear from Travis Vocalek coming up. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity. We're presented by Currency. A few more thoughts from Bill Bush. Then my sit-down with Husker tight end going back to Rutgers uh, was part of the Rutgers program under Coach Ash. And uh, and now uh, back to Jersey. But first, more from Bill Bush and specifically why it looked like Nebraska's team played harder Saturday night on defense. Probably a couple things to look at. One, came off a bye week. And so, like that. so they had a chance to kind of flush things that were, you know, some negative vibes for us right there. And they went out. I, I think that they felt really, really good about what we were doing every time. I don't think there was ever – when we were on the sidelines, we had very creative conversations as staff and with our players. If you watch us, we're always with our players. 
And but most of it was talking about minute things. And it wasn't like this, this, and this happened. We got to change this. So they were so dialed into the calls and what we we're doing and getting lined up. It just kind of puts you at ease, you know, for us right there. And they just wanted to play. And 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 so I think they were just very, very relaxed. And we just need to stay on top of that to be able to keep that going for us right now. And I, and I know they will. They'll play really hard. Last thought from Bill Bush before we talk to Travis Vokalek, the, the mood of the team here as they look to try and put two in a row together. Pretty easy to say that they're extremely happy uh, that the locker room was great afterwards. Uh, I thought Coach Joseph and the kids did a great job of 24-hour rule of being able to enjoy it for a little bit. We moved on pretty quick, you know, to the to the next phase because of where we were. But uh, the, but their 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 spirit's been great. But again, it's and it's been different this week. There's no doubt about that. But give these guys credit. I told you that last week. I said, wow. I said these guys come in every time. There there was never like we never had to wind them up like we got to go or never walked out of meeting saying like man that that was like pulling teeth that was no one's talking that was miserable so they're good that that's what good humans they are now they're just a little bit happier humans so that's bill bush let's get into travis vocalek uh tight end senior for nebraska headed back to new jersey the rutgers transfer looking for some uh, some east coast pizza travis vocalek with it night games how was it man congrats on the win yeah thank you uh definitely uh good to get a w um this past weekend um was a great game um you know i was really proud of you know how this team fought to the very end and you know we we've showed that um you know we can finish games now um so guys guys understand that and uh ready for uh, this next week at Rutgers friday night um gonna be a fun one Coach Joseph was talking about buying in to, to being physical, and when when have you when did you see that happen? Yeah, you know, in my opinion, I feel like we've been physical this this whole year. Um, obviously, there's there's been some improvement, um, a need of improvement, I guess uh, you could say, for the physicality on both sides of the ball and and special teams as well. Um, so you know, I've kind of seen it this whole year. Um, I, I thought um, specifically during the Indiana game, it definitely showed, um, you know, toughness and you know the physicality, and um, you know, I, I was really happy with the outcome. Let's spend a minute here on on the offense tie ball game, twenty one apiece. Things were scuffling, and then. You take the roof up. Yeah. Uh, Palmer gets deep for a touchdown, and then a six-minute drive by by the offense. Uh, was it confident on the sidelines, even though it was tied? You, you touched on finishing close ball games, but did you have a feel this time? Yeah, you know, it's you know, in times in the past, you know, when we've been in a situation like that, um, you know, we haven't been able to finish, and um, you know, like we like you said, it was it was tied, and no one blinked. Um, I think that was awesome for the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, we, we're, we're a confident football team. Um, you know, we, we're, we're coached, uh, we do what we're coached to do. And, you know, we just fall back on our technique and what we've been coached to do. And I think that showed um, when the ball game was tied. And like you mentioned, uh, Trey and Casey had a great connection there and uh, we just took off from there. So it was a great, great, great way to finish, uh, finish the football game and get a W. Travis Vokalek with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. What makes Casey a special quarterback? Yeah, you know, you know, Casey, Casey is a uh, you know he's a, a great leader um, on and off the field. Um, you know, he he knows the whole offense. Um, he he can throw the ball really well, can run as well. Um, you know, so he's he's a great leader, and you know, he's he's not afraid to tell you how it is, um, which I really like about him because you know sometimes you need that. Um, but you know, he's a great guy, and I'm really happy he's on our football team. The first time he told you how it is, how was that interaction? Yeah, you know, there, there's things between a quarterback and a receiver, a tight end, um, you know, and routes and stuff, um, you know, and you, 
you can't take it personal. Uh, it's part of the football game. So, um, you know, I, like I said, he's a great quarterback. I'm glad he's here, and uh, I'm ready for this next week with him. Well, you know, the, the tight end's always the quarterback safety valve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, you know, we got to continue that. So, Tell me a little bit here about um, the, the prep here leading up to Rutgers. You know Rutgers well? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know Rutgers very well. Who did who did you commit to at at Rutgers? Uh, yeah, Chris Ash was the head coach out there. Um, so yeah, like you mentioned, very familiar with Rutgers. Um, always a fun trip getting back out there. You know, last or two years ago, we were back out there uh, during the COVID season and everything. So it was a little different. Um, ready to get back out there, back in Jersey. Um, ready, ready to uh, take on this Rutgers team. So what are the spots in Piscataway? There's, a, I'm sure, a contingent of the, the Big Red Army heading out mm-hmm. to the East Coast. Uh, pizza's a specialty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't really remember exactly what the... Uh, You're too busy. Yeah, working, yeah, right? yeah. They, they've got some great pizza spots out there. You know, that's something I do miss about the East Coast when I was out there is the pizza is so good. And the, the slices are giant, so you get two slices and you're full. Um, but, yeah, it, it, they got great food out there on the East Coast. And uh, I'm sure, you know, for all the fans heading out there, uh, you can just look up on your phone and there's very, uh, very popular spots out there you can find. Last food question. We'll get back to football. But are you just a cheese guy? What, do you, what, what toppings do you go with? Yeah, I'm a big Supreme guy. Okay. Uh, so I like a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I, I love all types of pizza, but, um, you know, most of the time I get the Supreme. The is what? Uh, What's on the Vocalec? Uh, man, we got, you know, sausage, you know. Um, I like black olives on my pizza. Um, yeah, yeah. So I know that's a lot of people are questionable on that. Um, you know, sausage, black olives, that's, that's usually my go-to. And then all the other stuff that goes on Supreme with the uh, peppers and all that stuff. So Mushroom? Yeah, mushroom. I like everything. Good work. <laughs> Travis Vogel, like with us, uh, laying out a, a pizza pie topping. <laughs> but uh, tell me about the offense here and, and what makes it so dangerous. Uh, not only the big plays, obviously, are uh, pretty apparent, but just uh, what you guys can lean on, I guess, the balance part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, after watching the film for this past game, you know, as an offense, we thought, you know, we really – we really had a couple of plays that, you know, we could have scored on that we just, you know, we missed one guy, you know, missed a block, one guy didn't run the right route or didn't get his depth on the route and stuff like that. So we know, um, you know, we know how good we can be. Um, it's it's shown on film, you know, there's just one, one job that needs to be finished um, on that specific play. So, um, I mean, you know, fans have seen it, everyone's seen it. We got, you know, really explosive receivers. Um, you know, we got really good running backs. We got a good, good quarterbacks. Um, you know, I, I feel like we've, we've got all the weapons. Um, so, you know, when everyone does their job, um, you know, a good place happen. Other side of the ball, you're um, prepping for the next series, of course. But from what you got to see, what did you think of the defense? Yeah, uh, you know, I thought the defense played well. Um, you know, you see all the statistics and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I thought they've done a really, really good job. You know, love those guys on the defensive side. Um, you know, support them in everything they do. And, uh, you know, I think they continue continue to improve every week. Confidence. Uh, you guys got a win last uh, weekend. You, you head in on the on the uh, momentum of a win and what what can that do moving forward before we say goodbye yeah you know you know everyone's saying you know go with the momentum and stuff for the win but um you know the way that we look at it is we want to be one and know every week so we got the 24-hour rule um we enjoy the win while we can learn from the film learn from the mistakes and then move on to the next game um so it's definitely nice to have a win but you know we're just trying to go one and know every week travis vocal like travis good to see you again yeah thanks for having me 
miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Uh, Jeff uh, loved the Jim Walden show when he was growing up. Uh, Jim Walden with us this hour. Travis Vokalek. Big thanks to Mitch Sherman. Matt chimes in with Tony Soprano go with a red Italian wine for a game in Jersey. Tony Soprano can drink whatever he wants. God rest his soul. Uh, love James Gandalfini. Reminder to get buckled up. Uh, using your seatbelt saves lives, prevents injuries. Only if you properly wear it. Buckle up. This message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Nick Saban is getting into midseason mode. And uh, he was asked earlier this week by a reporter about the uh, the packages. You know, the Wildcat, the, the dual threat quarterback that's behind Bryce Young if they're ready to unleash that against A&M this week. You've talked about Jalen Merrill's unique skill set. Just given that, is there a thought of maybe putting a package together for him regardless of Bryce's injury status? We already have one. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, we got three Do, you want us to put a new one together now just because <laughs> he might play or use the old one? <laughs> I mean, we can do either one. I mean, I, I'll, I'll go talk to the offensive coaches and see. Um, again, you know, I don't talk to Jimbo on a regular basis, but I'll call him and tell him right after the conference if you want me to. I mean, you, you guys think I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with our offense and our team? You, you, you might as well make it up. I, I saw today where... There's headlines in the paper that, you know, I'm going to keep it a secret what we're going to do with Bryce. I'm, that's, it sounded like me making that statement. But it, I've never said that. But it, it was there in black and white. Like, so you can make up whatever you want to make up. You know, look at somebody else's running quarterback and say they should put these plays in. I think that would be a better way to do it. I think I think somebody should have followed up that 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 comment there with. So, what are your plans with Bryce Young on Saturday? Is Bryce going to play? <laughs> How's his shoulder? What's the MRI look like? What do you think, Nick? He he's in grip mode because he's got A and M coming in. They just got worked by the pirate, who once again gave great marital advice: elope and save money, and then. You have Tennessee looming. Now, Tennessee, I think, has to go to LSU this weekend. Well, can we just really fast look back at where we're at two months ago? Two months ago, we were looking at this date of, of these Saturday slate of games saying, wow, Texas and Oklahoma, that's going to be awesome. And then you got Bama and Texas A&M. That was the, the preseason hype bowl with, with what was going on in the offseason. Now college game day is going to Kansas. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, change. because KU and TCU are unbeaten. And they're they're good stories. Who's the, the, the dude, the comedian that does the coach's commentary, like he's in the coach's meeting room? Oh, uh, I got it. I love his, because Nebraska was a victim after Northwestern, but he did Oklahoma this past weekend where the kid's running with his fist, fist clenched. Coach 30. Yeah, Coach 30. <laughs> got to edit that a little bit, but that is so funny. 
That's that's great stuff. Evan Bland tomorrow, Mike Babcock, Mike Shuhart. Big thanks to Mitch Sherman and Coach Walden. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. A Huda Media Production.